Welcome to another and a very special episode of Talking Wit, W-I-T, Kevin and Son, where we feature people you should know. This episode is brought to you by RMK Productions and the 10 United Podcast Network. Through the power of our story, our mission is to uplift through our voices, inspire, share stories and experiences and our perspectives using the framework of teaching, learning, and modeling. Our purpose is very simple. It's hope, helping other people every single day. Today, I am blessed to be in the company of three very, very special people. Candace Gant, I think that's how you pronounce your name. She is a superstar in the corporate world. She's a director at the Ritz-Carlton. She is also an amazing mother of two children, one four years of age, one 10 years of age. Professionally, Candace has accomplished so much, much in her life. If I read her resume, it'll be 20, 20 minutes and bragging about how Candace, um, how successful she's been. Um, she is a true humanitarian, good person, good friend. She is also a um, competitive Ironman athlete. During her first training or the completion of her first Ironman, July 21st holds a special um, place in her life where her life changed. Um, Dave Sanderson says, Moment ma moments matter. Within a split second, Candace's life changed. A construction vehicle struck her while she was out on a training uh, run. Candace uh, suffered a severe brain injury and was in a coma. We'll learn more about her story as we get deep into this. Scott Dillman. Scott Dillman, wonderful guy. You are good-looking brother. He is the founder of Fighting Back Program. His program is an individual rehabilitation exercise program for people recovering from uh, life-changing events or illnesses or injuries. Scott program, Scott's program provides assistance to people with head, spinal trauma, Parkinson's disease, MS, ALS, and other neurological, neurologists, that's my head going, um, conditions. The beauty of the Fighting Back program is that when insurance fails to support you, Scott's um, program steps in with a scholarship program in order to help you fight your condition. Now, up in our left-hand corner here, Natanya Sutherland. Sortland. Sortland. See, I, I told you my own problems will, will, will be the debt of me, so please laugh with me. Sortland. Yeah. No, no, it's sort. It's like sort your laundry and land on your feet. Sort. Let's, How I remember it. Well, you 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 know now that uh, I am utterly confused. You've got to do this interview. Um, she is a survivor of a stroke and a traumatic brain injury. Um, we know it's a TBI, um, uh, which um, she acquired. Um, is it cortical visual impairment? A diagnosis. Yes. That yeah, I have a, I have a, a blindness uh, that is called cortical visual impairment, and it's essentially from a brain injury. Uh, if if your audience wants to look into my eyes, you'll see that one eye kind of goes this way and the other eye is going that way. It makes it very confusing, so I don't process vision, visual things very well. All of you look blurry and lovely. All right, all right, all right. Well, she's also the ambassador of Mind Your Brain and the TBI community where she speaks annually at fundraisers, creates uh, video content to promote the Mind Your Brain Conference um, for fellow survivors. We will learn more about um, Natanya's partnership with Vision Corps 
as well as being named one of the um, most successful or powerful women by Mainline Magazine or Mainline Today Magazine. So with that said, it is my pleasure to introduce to our viewers my guest, Candace Scott, the amazing aunt, Anatanya, and we are talking real talk about living with mental, mental health. Um, this is a conversation that is on every politician's um, um, tablet, every single person working in the workplace and whatever, but no one seems to understand. Um, what we're bringing today to our, our viewers is a little bit clearer vision from people that are, the, are, the, are on the inside of this game. And then this is my uh, TBI kicking in today. So uh, we're going to be authentic. So it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be the perfect interview. If people slur their words and whatever, understand this is what happens when um, your head gets thumped. So um, I'm going to start with um, Candace. Um, I, I'm hoping this is not a trigger, but um, if you would take and share uh, with us um, your story. Thanks, Kevin. And I wanted to tell you and our listeners that I'm so thankful and appreciative that you're highlighting traumatic brain injury and talking the real life, talking and telling stories about how it's really made a significant impact on our lives. So I, I thank you for that. And so I'll take you back to 2015. Has it been that long? Yes, indeed. I was riding my bike. As you said, I'm uh, I'm a novice triathlete, and I had just finished uh, triathlon. I was out with a good friend of mine. We were on a back road in Philadelphia, outside of Philadelphia, and I had wind blowing in my hair underneath, of course, my, my helmet, and I enjoyed a glorious ride on July 21st. A truck came up behind me. We're on a two-lane road and clipped my bike. I just happened at that time to be at a telephone pole. So I was launched into that telephone pole head first, that causing the massive head injury. Of course, then I was somersaulted to a fence that I hid and then back onto the tarmac. So I lost consciousness. And then my dear friend that I was riding with called 911 immediately because I was flailing, I was incoherent, I was making noises and sounds called 911 and I will say this by the grace of God, there was an EMT that was driving past that recognized the severe injuries that I had. He actually was an emergency room doctor at late for work at the University of Pennsylvania Hospital. He identified that I had a traumatic brain injury called helicopter immediately that airlifted me to the University of Penn, to the hospital of the University of Pennsylvania where I uh, was immediately sedated and evaluated. I had all my facial bones were crushed. I had a left clavicle injury, a collapsed lung, but most of all, the most serious of the injuries was a head injury. So I was in a coma immediately. They watched the intracranial pressure. They actually put a bolt in your, in your head and that measures intracranial pressure that had elevated so rapidly that it was, uh, I was, needing an emergency craniotomy where they remove your skull plate. They take back your durum, shave your head. Ladies, that's not a good look. And they shave your head um, and pull back your durum. And with a saw, take out the size of my hand 
my cranium, my skull plate. And that allows the brain to swell because it's been damaged so much. And if it swells, the inner uh, your uh, uh, all of your nerves in your head and your spinal cord fluid um, is affected, and so that your motor skills are damaged. So it's critically important important that you go right away to this this severe treatment. My husband was called in from work. He was in Delaware working, and immediately came to the hospital and was advised that I was going into surgery to have my skull plate removed. So he has, as you would imagine, PTSD as a result of that interaction with the nurses and the doctors and what was the assault that was happening on my body uh, after my accident. That, uh, that was a successful, what I'll call a successful operation. And I was in a coma for two weeks after that recovering. They'd so, uh, slowly brought me out of the coma and I was in a step-down unit then it, uh, at the hospital for another week or so. And then I was transferred to a rehabilitation center. And at this point, I was still on a gurney. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I had no skills. So I had to relearn that. So that was six months in a rehabilitation center to learn to walk and talk again. I could just answer one. I had a trach, of course, a breathing tube. So I didn't have any, I didn't have the capability of speaking well, nor could I understand it. I had yes and no answers. Um, and they told my husband that there was a very strong chance that I would not be able to process language again, that that was the, uh, the outcome would be a very serious one, um, without significant rehabilitation. So I was at rehab for six months and had a great recovery because I just, uh, as I was coming out of, um, of, uh, of a world that I didn't understand. I didn't, I couldn't understand why I was in a hospital and what had happened and where are my children and who's taking care of them. When you start to process information, then it's a terrible state that you're in uh, to, to try to understand the severity of the injuries that you had. Your, your brain just prevents you from processing how really terrible, I, I thought I could run again and I, I couldn't walk. So your brain uh, is, is meant, I think, um, to have memory issues. That's when it first starts, that you have memory. You can't remember that you had an injury. You can only remember that you are an athlete. Yes, and I'm glad you share the story. And for, for our listeners, the reason why I'm doing this story, because mental illness is real. I mm -hmm. am a, um, I won't say I'm a graduate from the program. I am an ongoing um, student. Uh, of the injury. I too has suffered a first um, trauma to, to my head, but we won't talk uh, much about that unless one of you guys asked me to, to share my story. But Natanya, um, you brought this group together. You know, the reason why, um, before we start to talk about living uh, this life and what the life is and how our family members can get involved and be proactive with our recovery and add to our lives, um, would you like to share um, your story? Yes, this is not a story I often share. I don't know how it is for Candace. It's hard to go back there. I had a very different experience with Candace than Candace. I was, uh, this was about nine years ago. I was coming home from work. It was a cold, crisp February day. And I, I had the 
um, one moment. I think, hold on, I have a, a emotional support dog that may need to come in here. I do, everything's okay, I'm sorry. You can, you can bring the dog in here, I'm fine with it. Okay, great, I just, he's not, I'm sorry. For I don't know if anybody listening to this or watching has dogs, but I have two elderly dogs that have seen me through my stroke and don't like to leave my side. So. That's fine, they're welcome. Okay, so for me, I was healthy, great weight, worked out, perfect blood pressure, and I'm walking to the kitchen with the groceries, and all of a sudden it felt like, bam, I had been shot in the head. I made it to the ground, and I called for help, and it was a level of pain I didn't know existed. And I remember thinking, I didn't know a person could hurt like this, but I wasn't scared. I figured I've pulled muscles. This, I guess you can, I guess you can really tear a muscle. I, I, I had no idea that I could die. And this is why I need my dog to tell the story. Come here. That's okay. Come here. This is Gus. Oh, hey Gus. Yeah. This is Gus. So Gus, I'm gonna hold you while I tell the story. So I I call for help and I just remember losing my ability to walk and speak and in my mind just thinking, just knock me unconscious and I'll wake up, I'll be fine. The next thing I knew, the doctor in the emergency room walks in and he says, you've had a subarachnoid brain hemorrhage, which 50% of the people who get them don't make it to the hospital. And at this point, I still don't understand what's going on. Candace has it right. You're just trucking along and having no idea what's happening. And then I was told I was going to get medevaced. And I thought, I'm afraid of flying. I don't like heights. Here I was fighting for my life and I didn't know it. Um, for me, I knew it was serious when all of a sudden I'm going in and out of consciousness, I'm about to go on the helicopter and my family comes in one at a time and gives me a kiss on the cheek. And I just thought, oh, this is really nice until, until um, there's a doctor in the family who's very stoic he kissed me in the cheek and he lingered as if he was saying goodbye to me. And that was my first inkling. So I, next thing I remember is that the helicopter slams down and wakes me up. And the guy said to me, well, you made it, you, you made it in one piece. And, and you know what I was thinking? I missed my first helicopter ride. Here I am. I, I'm I'm having I'm having a stroke, and that's my thought. And then the next thing, I'm sorry, it's my dogs. That's okay. You don't have to apologize. Keep keep going. And if this is too painful, you no no. You know what? This is a, it's an important story to tell because of how far I've come. It's an important story to tell. So. I'm in the hospital and the next thing I know, the doctor is telling me that I might die. He said, 
We're going to find out tomorrow. We're going to do a procedure. And we want you to know that there's a chance you might die. There's a chance you might need to be put into a home. There's a chance you might be okay. And the pain was, this is where I was really grateful that the pain was at an unreal level. It was the kind of pain that you can't be too scared with. And you don't know who you are until you're faced with that. And I had to live 24 hours going, I might die. And I remember I shocked the doctor and, and uh, my boyfriend at the time by saying, all right, if I end up in a home, you go find a good woman. I don't want you to be spending your life in a home. And they're just, I don't understand how serious it is. So anyway, um, I have the procedure and I wake up and I, I think, okay, I'm gonna live. And then I thought, now it's time to get better. And I spent about three weeks in the hospital. I had complications. I too, I had to have, I had the haircut too, Candace, where they shave your head and they, cause I had fluid building up in my brain. And so they, they did that. And, and I don't know about you, Candace, but what happened to me is I did not get the help I needed when I left the hospital. I got sent home and I woke up the next morning and I, all I knew how to do was feed my dog, make the coffee and just walk in circles. And, um, and then my recovery started from there. And that's when I fought to get services. That's when I fought to find my way. And I found my way to people like Candace, who got me to Scott. And, um, and that's why I'm here today. I'm here today. It's not easy for me to be here today. It's very, I have aphasia, apraxia, memory loss. I don't know what I look like. I'm legally blind. So here I am in front of all of you. I don't remember what I've just said, but I'm here because I have received so many services that I want to bring it to all of you. And I want to say one more thing. There's only one way that I knew how to deal with the pain and the severe fatigue is to find a purpose. And my purpose, my purpose and my passion is that anyone listening right now, I want you to get something from today. I want you to get a service. I want you to get a purpose. So when I can help someone, if there is just one of you out there that gets something from this, then I'm okay that I'm in pain. I'm okay, I have a headache. And I'm okay that I'll take the next day to recover from doing a podcast. So that's why I'm here today. And I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that we're doing this. Well, <clears throat> I am I am at a loss for words because I, I'm I'm grateful and and uh, honored to, to have um all of you on this podcast. Um you know. Uh, when we initially had this conversation, it, it's been hard. And I think it's harder for, for men than it is for women to articulate when something is wrong with them. We don't go see the doctor like most people, especially black men. We don't go see the doctor at all. We don't, because men are taught to be strong. We don't, we don't reveal that we're, we're vulnerable, but Candace, it wasn't until I got a chance to talk to, 
you that I was able to come out, or Candace and also Scott when we first met, um, to talk openly about things I deal with. Because uh, the hardest thing in, in my life is that, you know, I'm a fitness professional. So when people see me, I look normal. You know, when I tell people that today's my, my day is mush, um, people don't understand it. And what I've tried to do is explain, if you've seen the movie, The Matrix, when I'm, I'm having um, difficulty, imagine your, your brain being fragmented and you're trying to process information and nothing's making sense. So sometimes your brain just plays around with you. Um, you know, I get hit with a, um, a barbell in the temple of my head. I didn't have the severity, but when I was released um, from um, modern medicine, I stood in the parking lot for 20 minutes and cried because I was not well. And I knew I wasn't well. Um, so, um, you know, it's a hard subject to talk about without becoming emotional uh, about it. But I think it's important because we have family members, we have friends, we have co-workers that have to deal with us that because we, we all have busy lives, they don't understand what we're going through. And sometimes they don't realize pressuring us to remember something or pressuring us or putting issues on us. Um, for us to be normal actually creates more pressure and more problems. And, um, you know, there was a horrible story that was released today on CEN, CNN, and I'm going through it today because I hit my head again last week. So did not know that I was concussed again. Um, and so I'm fighting through my own, own, own world right now. But when you see three young women that are top athletes like all of us are here take their lives you, you know people also they don't understand why in the back of your mind when you get frustrated you think people don't get it or you think you're not going to get any better um in the minds of a person that is suffering from a mental illness or trauma it's easier to check out of reality than deal with reality um, and the reason why this team is together, because there are programs that are in place that are helping each and every last one of us. And Scott, you're probably, you're one of those programs. And I'm going to ask you to talk about your program that's helping people like the three of us deal, um, with it and live with it. And hopefully if you are someone that's in someone's life that is suffering from some type of mental illness, please, please pay attention and become more pro proactive and a lot more sensitive and and stop putting your needs before someone else that needs you. So Scott, will you tell us a little bit about the Fighting Back program? Absolutely, Kevin. Thank you so much for uh, bringing us together. Um, you know, and the story I can tell you about what we do will actually pull all of us together uh, in a moment, but just to reiterate some of the things you were saying, I cannot say enough how this situation is really just affects the entire family system. Um, you know, in a snap of a finger, you know, life lives change. And that's what's happened to both Natanya and Candace and yourself. And no one expects this. A caregiver is not ready for this. The individual is not ready for this. And it, there's just a lot of adjustments that have to be made and so often as both of them have shared is you end up getting out of the hospital and then you're back at home and you really don't have a 
care plan that goes beyond, you know, hey, I got out, you're doing okay, here's what you need to continue to do. But no one really accounts for the amount of mental challenge that is for the individual as well as the, the caregiver. So a lot of what we do at Fighting Back is trying to provide a community of support for, for both groups of people, because I think it's important that the caregiver gets support as well as the individual on their Fighting Back journey. So an example of what we do is tied into the three of us right here, and that is uh, Candace started a wonderful organization called Mind Your Brain that provides education in a variety of different formats, but uh, specifically in an annual conference. And I was speaking at that conference, and there was a young lady in the audience that was in a wheelchair, and she had headphones on. And she raised her hand and said, you know, I'm, I really, you know, I'm listening to what you're saying about staying active and, and all I want to do is dance again. And I, you know, she was very limited in her ability to move, very limited in her ability to focus. And what was amazing to me is I asked her, where do you live? And she goes, I live in Malvern. And I said, do you realize our program is in Malvern? So with that cutting through the tape, we got her started in the program and it was a, a very long road for Natalia. She basically started out in the gym where she had a very hard time coming to a facility where there was a lot of background noise. She had a very hard time focusing and getting started. But because she kept with it over and over and over again, she continued to make improvements. And those improvements led to eventually me working with her. And we were doing some work on Zoom during the COVID period. And I started to realize that she literally could dance again. She had regained all of that ability to move. And that movement inside of her was very natural for her. It was part of her body. So after a lot of practice, working every week together to get her back to dancing, uh, I'm very proud and happy to report that she was able to dance at our annual achievement night, which is where we honor our people for our courage, desire, and perseverance on this road to recovery and the caregivers in front of over 400 people. And she did an amazing job. It was truly one of the greatest stories I've seen. And, you know, literally the three of us are what that connection made that possible between Candace and between the Tanya's hard work and between the Fighting Back program. It's been a wonderful journey to be able to pull all to that together. And, you know, Kevin, I say all the time, if I had a production company, I'd have at least two Oscars. Because the stories of Natanya and Candace, that's what I've seen my entire career over 36 years. People that have these incredibly difficult things happen to them, they aren't ever thinking this could happen. And then their ability to have to adjust to that and move forward with a tremendous amount of courage, desire, and perseverance. Um, it's been an inspiration for me to see it for 36 years. And I'm happy we've been able to play a small role supporting um, many people on this wonderful journey. Now, Scott, um, I'm going to do this early um, because I, I want my listeners to grab a pen, pen and paper uh, right now. If you can tell um, our listeners how to, to get in touch with you, if they have a loved one or they're suffering themselves on how they can become part of this, this program and what your requirements are. Can you um, let us know how to get in touch with you and, and in the Mind Your Brain program also? Yeah, I'll start with our program and then I'll pass it on to Candace for Mind Your Brain. But uh, the, the, my personal email, you're welcome to reach out to me, is S-E-D-I-L-L-M-A-N at gmail.com. So that's sedillman at gmail.com. 
And then our website is thefightingbacksp.org. Uh, we have an annual achievement night, as I mentioned, that Natanya danced out, and that's coming up in April 26th. Uh, really an amazing event to come to see the journeys that people travel and the success stories through tremendous courage, desire, and perseverance uh, that we were able to highlight along that. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Candace and Natanya, um, this is a question I get asked all the time, you know, from people, caregivers, people that love you and whatever. They go, I, I don't know. I, I can't read the, the, the signs, even though in my personal life, I articulate it as best as I can. I tell people when my, my head is, is fuzzy. Um, how do you have that conversation? And Candace, I'll ask you first and I'll go to Natanya. How do you have that conversation with the people that love you in your life of you letting them know that, um, that you're struggling to, today or what signs to look for or how, how to help you? How do you articulate that conversation? Thanks, Kevin. Uh, I also wanted to share with your listeners as well how to reach Mind Your Brain. I'll take a second to do that first. And that's that's uh, just by typing in and uh, Mind Your Brain Foundation. MindYourBrainFoundation.com. Okay, that's Mind Your Brain Foundation. Is it all uppercase or does it make a difference? It does not matter. However, you can type it in and string all those words together, then you'll find us. And if you go to that uh, that source of wisdom, Google, you can Google just mind your brain and you'll be able to get the resources that you're looking for. All right. Thank you, Thank you for that opportunity to share with them. And why it's most important is because we have a conference coming up. So if there's any listeners, March 25th is our conference at Penn Medicine downtown in Philadelphia, and we would welcome, and it's a free conference. There's no charge to get help and hope from behind your brain. So is, it for, is it for everyone or just survivors? It's for survivors and their caregivers and families. All right. Everyone go to the website, mindyourbrain.com, right? You can do that as well. Register, get some help, attend, um, the, the free conference, uh, remember I said free, it's still spelled F-R-E-E. -E. I can still spell, it's free. It <laughs> yes, right. it is. And you'll see myself, Natanya, and Scott there. And you will so also be see. A trifecta. We'll, we'll be happy to see all of you. So yeah. to answer your question about what do I tell my family, I think there's two things that are really baked into a recovery, and that's tolerance and humor. Mm -hmm. The tolerance comes in when I repeat myself over and over, or I can't find my words. Now, as you said, I had a four-year-old and a 10-year-old at home, and I would, I would read Dr. Seuss to my four-year-old, and she would correct me. So we'd have to laugh about that. You have to have some humor as you're struggling. Um, and, you know, later on, I would, go, I would go upstairs and cry. But at that moment, when I really uh, wanted to be part of the family again, that was what was required of me. And I had to be tolerant with them when they didn't understand my husband would repeat directions to me that I couldn't remember and he he could see the blank look on my face and so he had to pause right and we have to have tolerance with each other that uh he understood with that expression that I didn't have a clear understanding. So oftentimes I didn't have to say it and he could recognize it. So you look for that in someone, you look for that pause, 
um, and the wandering of the eyes. I think you can clearly see that. And Tanya, would you agree that that there's a look in your eyes that, that nothing is connected? All the dots are not connected. You may see that. You may see that today. <laughs> yes. And then, and then my husband would repeat, and my children. And to this day, as they've grown older, they will still make fun of. Oh, my mom's had a brain injury, and and we understand it. We're not ashamed of it. We're not hiding from the reality of it. We hit it head on. Yes, I had a brain injury and I'm on the road to recovery still 18 years later. And I'm a work in progress. Like Kevin, like you said, we're a work in progress. But every day I can assure you that there's recovery opportunities in everything that you do, going to the grocery store and handling money. Those are opportunities for rehab. Going to a large event and hearing the noise, you can't do that immediately, but over time you can. And Scott's brilliant work that allows people to have that fitness component. So I could get back on a bike after my injuries, that I could continue to run and do things that I'm just passionate about and, and ask for help. That would be my message to everybody. Please ask, don't be ashamed. I know our veterans, are, they're not as willing and open about their injuries as well, like Kevin, you described. Um, but it is becoming more and more evident that PTSD and TBI, that that's a community that we can help. And if they, I think they're becoming more and more, they, they recognize it more and more, that it's, that it's strong and it's not vulnerable, but they're strong to ask for help. And I think that's true with our, with our veteran population as well as civilians. Natanya, how, how, how do you deal with it daily? Uh -huh. Well, absolutely humor. That tends to be my default. My uh, brain injury, my symptoms are very obvious if you're around me. And with my aphasia, I make up words. I don't mean to, but people seem to find it hilarious. I, I've, I lose things constantly and I've decided that I just have a daily scavenger hunt and I'll write a list on the board and say, I can't find these five things. And they, and I can't, obviously I can't see them, but I, 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 I'm at the point where the pain is not so severe that I can't get out of bed. I'm at the point in my recovery where I can, I see the humor also asking for help. That is, it's really hard to do, isn't it? And I feel like that takes the most courage is when I'm vulnerable and I say, I really don't feel well. I really, I feel really tired. I, I need a minute. The more I do that and show my vulnerability, the more people are able to see it. The last thing I would say is you get to a point in your recovery where you know what you can do and you know where you need help. And when you can have confidence in, okay, this is where my limit is, then I think people feel more comfortable around you because they have a sense that you, you understand yourself. And I found that that has, has helped me as well. And it takes time. I think Scott uh, said, that, that, that we need tolerance and that the caregiver is in as much shock as we are. I know my family had PTSD. Nobody's expecting to have their loved one come home so different. And I think that 
It takes time, it takes perseverance, it takes compassion, but it does happen. Absolutely, change happens. Question. And, and um, this is for all three of you, because uh, Scott, um, you, you've given aid to helping people. It has to be personal. So um, it's hard to walk away from it and just call it a job. Uh, Candace and Tanya, because um, I, I, I know sometimes when people are not listening, I get frustrated. The night times kills me. I, I will tell you, being alone kills you, kills me. Um, how, how, how do you cope, cope with that? I, I, I can't sleep at night. If I can jump in, I, I just, because I get what you're saying. I feel like once the sun starts going down, I feel like, and this is every night I've used up all of my cognition and then I start, I'll, I'll beat you to this one. I start to walk in circles and that's why I thank God for my dogs because my mind is blank. And I feel like I'm supposed to do something, but I don't know what. And I feel very uneasy. I feel edgy. And I and it's it's for me, it's like night and day. And so I do struggle at night. And I am lucky enough to have people help me. So I'll have somebody with me if I'm going to be alone or I've got my dogs. I've I create a plan for myself. I think the trouble sleeping is so common with brain injuries. I know that I think there is help with that. I meditate. That's another thing. But I'm with you. Nights every night for me. And it's been nine years, but every night is a little, a little difficult. Some are better than others, and I'm not usually alone at night. Um, it does help to have an animal, I have to say. But I'm with you. I feel you. It gets better, but it's not easy. All right, Candace, are you the same? I am, and, and I run out of words at night. My husband will say, have you run out of words, Candace? Yes, I have, yes. And that means that I need to take a brain break. I need to power everything down after dinner and have a very peaceful environment just to, to charge my batteries, to go at it again the next day. And again, that has to do with patience and tolerance of my family understanding that. But they do, they over time, if I, as I express myself, they understand. I, I just, I'm honest with them. And again, vulnerable, tell them what I'm experiencing so they can help me and they can understand it. So they give me some space when I need it. I, and I know on, on my end, <clears throat> I, I, I shut down because sometimes I, I don't think my family's listening and I just go back, go, go do your own thing or whatever. I'll, I'll deal with it. And, you know, I brought up the, um, the fact that, you know, CNN um, shared a story of three young athletes, female athletes that have been concussed that took their own lives. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because, um, caregivers family and friends when when you're starting when we are giving you you signs um get ahead of the train don't let the train pull into someplace darker um and help and sometimes you need to get out of your way and that's the reason why scott the work that you're doing um that's got to be heavy on you um because even though you don't have 
the personal experience from the injury, and I hope you you never become part of this organization, is that you, you're caring a little bit too. How do you deal with it? Well, I think so much of it, just like all three of you have discussed, is you have to develop strategies, and sometimes those strategies don't work, and then you have to develop new strategies. And, and it sounds very simple, but you know, a lot of times, um, you know, Natanya and I work on you know weekly goal setting for wellness. Uh, what are we going to do this week to try to improve our wellness? And that's a general term, but it covers a lot of areas. And, and she's done a wonderful job adding meditation into her daily activities, which helps. But it's it's also important to recognize that sometimes it doesn't change, and sometimes the challenge is the challenge. And I think a lot of times for both the individual and for caregivers. Um, the frustration with um, I'm not seeing enough progress, I'm not seeing the solution, it weighs on both groups. And I think it's just important, like uh, Candace said, to be honest, to be vulnerable, and to recognize that it's okay if it didn't work. That's not the end. You know, you need to develop a new, a new strategy. And, you know, I think Candace with the dogs is such a wonderful example of you know, there's a period in time where those dogs play a very important role for her because at night, that's the bigger challenges. There, there he is. There he is. And uh, so, again, that's, I think, developing an understanding between yourself and your caregivers and significant others that, look, this is hard. It's not going to always just go away. I'm going to try different things, be honest and vulnerable about what those things are and establish a communication. And then sometimes, Kevin, you just need a break from each other. Sometimes you just got to do your own thing. I think one of the great things we've done with fighting back is, you know, sometimes people will come in, they'll drop the clients off or if we're doing a Zoom call, they get a break. They have some time for themselves and, and do that. And all three of you are very high level and very independent. And it's still, you're very honest about the challenges, but there's some people that have much more severe injuries of which the caregiver has to be there almost 24 hours a day. Um, just for safety as well as the the care that's needed. So the the demand on both parties is great, but I think just recognizing that you can continue to move forward. And I, I always share with people that the biggest observation that I've seen over 36 years is when someone's had a life-changing injury, illness, or disability, their first instinct is to try to get back to where they were. And I always tell people, you can't you have to write a new chapter. And I've seen Natanya write a new chapter. I've seen Candace write a new chapter. Kevin, you're writing a new chapter. And that's where the energy has to go. It has to go forward and it can't go backwards. Because when you try to get back to where you are, there's so many things that your body's going to continue to struggle with. That becomes a frustration. So I think the importance of recognizing that, hey, this is a new chapter, blank page. You can write a wonderful new chapter. And I've seen over 36 years, a lot of incredible stories of people doing just that. I, I think that's great advice, Scott, and, th and thank you for sharing that. Candice, Natanya, um, I know with me, um, anything positive come out of um, this for either one of you? Go ahead, Natanya. For me, what came out of it, and I have to say how I thought of um, my stroke is everybody else was talking about me going back to normal. I knew something was very wrong. So I thought of it that if I was a garden, my stroke was that my garden got burned to the ground. 
and that my job was to make sure I watered it, I had good seeds, I weeded it. So for me, sleep was watering my garden. The seeds were the nutrition and the help that I got. Weeding it meant taking things out of my life that didn't help me recover. I didn't know what was going to grow. And that to me was my curiosity. When I realized I was gonna be this kind of blindness, my reaction was, I guess I'm gonna go through life differently now. And I began to look at it as a challenge. And as much pain and as hard, everything is so hard, but I've never felt so passionately determined to, to help people. I've never felt so filled with purpose. And I know what's important because when you have limited, when I have a limited ability, when I only have so many words in a day, then I know that I am a real friend. I have a very small group of people. I know who I am. And that's what you get when you face a stroke. You learn what you're made of. And you realize that having courage, that that's it. I'm not gonna make a lot of money. I'm not gonna do a lot of fancy things, but I got guts. And I think every brain injury survivor should think of themselves as people with courage and guts and that we keep on going. And it's so important to have a community because people don't understand. It's like in the military, when you go away to war, right? You come back with PTSD and wounds. The only other people who are gonna get it are the people who've been there with you. And when you come back home, everybody else sees you as normal. They don't understand. They want you to be your old self. And it's so important that you're in a community that will cheer you on when you say, I'm getting eight hours of sleep a night. It's taken me five years. It, community is everything. And going back to your subject of those three athletes, if it's important that we have community and we stay plugged in. Candace. Wow, so well said, Natanya. And I would tell you, yes, because the discouragement and the depression that those three young ladies experienced, and that just touches my heart. It, it breaks my heart to read that story today. I'm glad you brought that up. But we need to, as a community, is celebrate the little wins, two steps forward, one back. The winning, when you sleep for that five hours, we're out, we're hooting and hollering because we're excited about that sleep. When I ran, when I walked one mile, everybody at the rehab center was there cheering me on. Who would have known after I ran a couple of marathons that one mile of walking, I could have that much energy and that, that much enthusiasm and reassurance that I was moving in the right direction. So I think that that's what I would say is celebrate those little wins. Um, and sometimes our caregivers can be a really great inspiration to us to do that and tell the neighbors, oh, Candace did this, Natanya did that. And, and uh, I think that they can advocate for you to help build you up. And that community is so important. So coming to a conference and reaching out to other people and sitting and sharing the accomplishments that you've made, not so much about your injury, but just how far you've come, that road to recovery, talking about it, all the speed bumps on it, but the, how the progress, what progress you're making. It is not a marathon, it is a sprint. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It just takes a lot of time. It's not a sprint. All right. If I could add, that, go ahead. If I, 
But if I could add one more thing. You could talk all day long. <laughs> no, nobody <laughs> wants that from me. Trust me. It is imperative. If you get nothing from this, please know that what you think about yourself is what becomes your reality. And if you're saying negative things about yourself, if you're saying you're horrible, then especially if your brain is injured, your emotional center is going to react to that. It is very important that you get up in the morning and if you do nothing more than get dressed, be proud of that. But if you do nothing more than get up in the morning and you, and you tell yourself how stupid you are, you don't get up. So that is it. Our brains are listening to what we say to ourselves. That's very important. Really, I, is. I, I am so glad that, that you said that because what happens is um, when you get a little bump on your head, well, we've all had big bumps on our head. The conversations that goes on in our mind are real. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes, like like you said, if, if you don't have out of that conversation you get pulled into that conversation and that conversation is pulling you into a dark place you start making poor decisions um and those i think also if i could say you also start telling yourself stories that may not be true you're exactly right it's really really important when you start feeling yourself not not okay that's when you find someone to talk to a lot of times people get upset. Have you ever been in an argument with someone and you don't understand why you're not seeing eye to eye? It's because you're not having the same conversation. It's really, really important to check what you believe because it may not be correct. Right, right. All said. All right. Well, I, I do know one thing and, um, and I'm, I'm just as dumb as everyone else. I'm afraid of heights, but I keep going rock climbing. Um, <laughs> Um, June June 9th, uh, yeah. Candace, I mean, uh, uh, Natanya, you, you're going to be doing something that for most normal people don't make a lot of sense. Um, you're going to be repelling off um, the side of, uh, of a building. Most people take the elevator down. You're going to be hanging on by um, string, yarn, or whatever the case may be. But Everything. You, you, you're, you're doing it for a good cause. Yes. Uh, you say that you can't see, but I trust me, you you see something because you got to hold on to something. You have a sponsor. Um, tell us about your relationship and how you got involved with uh, Vision Corp and um, tell people how they can. Uh, if we can join you, I can't. Oh, uh, I've committed to doing something extremely uh, stupid. I'm going to run a half marathon in Lake Placid on June um, 9th. It's one of those things that, you know, you said that you have to do something that will put you into another mind space. So um, that's part of my therapy. I woke up one morning and said, um, uh, I got to be proactive in my health. Um, I, I've got to reteach my, my brain to go back to something that brings me most pleasure. Um, so um, I, I don't know which one of you guys want to talk about the Vision Corp, talk about her yeah. off the side of a building, but yeah. I don't uh, know if everybody can see this, but it's me dressed as the Statue of Liberty, hanging off the side of a building, and how did someone terrified of heights get there? It all started with my vision starting to go, double vision, everything's blurry. Um, 
my vision was going pretty bad. And I was looking for help. I was cutting my hands. I almost got hit by a car, almost falling down the stairs. How do I read my mail? And I was asking my doctors and they had no idea. So I was panicking for a long time. And somebody told me about an organization called Vision Corps. And what they're, they're about a hundred years old. And they're an organization that will come into your home. And if you are blind or visually disabled, they will teach you whatever skills you need to be independent and to continue on with your life. And they also hire people who are blind and visually disabled. There are support groups for us. I went from panic to, I got this. When Taylor was my first occupational therapist came into my home, I was, I can't, I don't even know how to describe, just imagine you can't find your shoes. And I had a whole list of things. And she said to me, whatever problem you have, we're gonna solve it. And if I don't know the answer, I'll find someone. And at that moment, I, I, was, I was just solving problems. I, I walk with a cane. I learned I got cane training. And then after about a year or two, they said, hey, would you like to do our annual fundraiser called the eye drop? I'm like, mm-hmm. Where you rappel down a 10 story building. Mm -mm. I'm afraid of heights. I said, no, 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 I'm good. They asked me a second time. And then they asked me a third time. And I'm thinking, what is this? And then they explained something that I didn't know. Vision Corps has been an organization, a, it's a, a scholarship program you don't have to pay for a hundred years in four other counties, Lancaster and out in that direction. This is all in Pennsylvania. Uh, this is all in Pennsylvania. And so this is an organization that was in Lancaster, I believe Burke, that area. They had just come into Chester County because Chester County really needed those kind of services. And they said to me, we're not connecting with Chester County. We're not connecting with people who need our services. We're not connecting with the eye doctors. We're not connecting. And these services are unreal. If you wanna learn how to kayak. So I said, okay. They said, we need you to do it because there's, there are like a hundred people climbing down the building and not a single one from Chester County. We've got a hundred people raising money not a single person from Chester County. What do you say? All right, but I'm gonna be the Statue of Liberty and we're gonna make it work. Let's get in the paper, let's do it. And I was given the task, someone like me who can barely email was given the task to connect Vision Corps with Chester County. And I am, I'm so passionate about that. I go out into the community with my cane and I had one experience where a woman wanted me to talk to her son. He had a, a brain tumor and he was gonna lose his sight. And she said, you walk so confidently, could you please talk to him? He doesn't wanna use his cane. And I told him it was time, it was the time of social distancing. I used my cane, I hit his foot and I said, hey, I don't have to do the elbow thing. And I told him, I said, you can be anything you want. Just tell me it wasn't an airline pilot. I am an ambassador for Vision Corps, and I am I am Chester County. If you're in Chester County, if you're an eye doctor, if you know I can't do it alone, I need friends. 
first time I went down the building alone. And last year I went down with one other person, but I am absolutely determined that Chester County will never lose the services that gave me my life back. I cannot underline that enough, but I need friends. I need help. I'm happy you are welcome to, to, to donate. I'm a terrible fundraiser. Um, you can use the code, sorry, you can use the code. This is where you see how bad my site is. Use the code Lady Liberty for free registration at www.idrop2023.org. You use the code Lady Liberty, you can join for free. If you need the services, it's visioncore.net. If you can be a friend, if you can help me out and spread the word, I would be so grateful because every day I leave my house, I consider myself an ambassador and, um, and I think Chester County could really use these services. And, and I, I was <laughs> so worried when I came on today because I'm always worried I won't be good enough to get my point across. So I hope I've done them justice. You, you, you were a um, graduate summa cum laude um, given this. You, you are a great ambassador for this. This has been um, wonderful. This is one of many um, podcasts on this subject um, to come. This is the, the intro to it. Um, we'll have more conversations regarding mental health and how you can get involved. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go around the horn to allow each one of you to go ahead and tell people how they can get in touch with you. Natanya, I'm gonna ask you to give that website again and people. Um, I always say that, you know, the people that follow um, RMK Productions, watch my podcast, Talking Wit, W-I-T, Kevin and Son, they're not the type of people that drive by an accident, they stop and help. So they're very pro proactive. Please, please connect um, with these people on this panel. Make a donation. If you're in Chester County, I dare you to stand alongside with Natanya and repel. It's only 10 stories. You know, you're, you're going down. It's the up part that's hard. Um, you know, go do that thing, represent and uh, help. So, um, you know, um, let's go through and before we leave, let everyone know how to get in touch with each and every last one of you. And please, when, when you give your social media links, um, I like for each one of you to give our listeners something that they should take away. So a little bit of advice on either how to deal, how to cope, how to over, overcome, how to support or how to get involved. So Scott, Let's talk about your program. Well, my advice, um, Kevin, is pretty simple. And that is we've, we've shared it earlier is, you know, I think it's really celebrating small victories, uh, recognizing that when you're in a place of appreciation and gratitude, uh, you're in a powerful place. So oftentimes we're trying to get back to where we were, and that can be very frustrating. And that can be a place of, um, you know, sometimes a hopelessness. But when you can find gratitude and you can find appreciation um, and celebrate that, that really puts you in a very healthy mindset, uh, no matter what you're dealing with. Um, again, the Fighting Back uh, Scholarship Program uh, is fightingbacksp.org. 
uh, wonderful organization. We have our annual Chuba Night on April 26, which is a celebration of the journey of individuals. Um, and again, my email is sedillman at gmail.com if I can be of any help to anyone. Thank you. And Candace, Mind Your Brain Foundation, um, leave us with a little something, some advice, some uh, a takeaway, um, recap on um, the foundation, how people can get in touch and how they can get involved. Thanks, Kevin. And to the listeners, come and see me. We, we're your people. We're your peeps. We get you. And I wanted to tell you that Natanya is a perfect example of one of the many. There's 100, 200, 300 people that attend these conferences. And so it will be a celebration of your accomplishments and you'll learn new tools and tips and you'll hear professional speakers. It is really a, a celebration of who we are as a traumatic brain injury community. So I ask you to come join us, see us there. Um, we get you and bring your caregivers because we have something for them too. And we'll help them and help you have a dialogue that uh, you can go home with. We'll have tools and tips for you to go to home, go home with so that your recovery is just not one day. And you can reach me. And I would be like Scott said, if you would like to reach out to me personally, my name is Candace, C-A-N-D-A-C-E. And you can reach me at Candace at mindyourbrainfoundation.org. One word, doesn't have to be capital, no spaces. Candace at mindyourbrainfoundation.org. And you can register for the conference, free conference at mindyourbrainfoundation.org. That's our website. And we would welcome you with open arms to come see us because we want to help you on your road to recovery. And Natanya, I always tell people, if you want to get anything done, you don't get anything uh, standing around, you got to jump. But with your foundation, I'm going to ask you to hold on to the rope. Don't jump. Slide <laughs> down easy. It's 10 stories because it's it's not the um, going down that's uh, hard. It's the landing that uh, becomes an issue. So tell us a little bit more about how we get in touch with you. We're going to ask you to go ahead and reach out. How do people don't donate? Does it have to be big donations, small donations, oh. whatever the case may be? And do you have to be visually impaired in order to repel off the side of the building? No, you just have to be able to repel down the side of a building. I am afraid of heights. I am absolutely afraid of heights. And I, when nobody else was going to do it, I knew I had to do it. I would love any company repelling down that building. Also with donations, I would, $5, it's hard to feel alone while standing in such a huge county with so much need. And I have such an amazing organization that can do so much. It's, it's hard. I need, I need help. I need friends. So with donation for this event, put it up again. Um, it's www.idrop2023.org. To join my team, you use the code Lady Liberty, because I dress up as a Statue of Liberty it's for free registration. Once again, if you need help, visioncore.net, if you need help or you know someone who needs help. I, ho I, hope you, I hope you join my team. It's really hard when the other four counties are there with all of their people. And then there's like me. And 
I don't think any of us want to see help get wasted. And what I would leave with you is never give up hope. Never give up hope. Going to a conference like Candace, you'll find one thing to hang on to that will change your life. Also helping other people. I found that dedicating my life to the service of others has made my life very beautiful. And also one last thing, please join my team. <laughs> please. Thank you. That that was a warrior cry. That wasn't a pity, please. That was please. a warrior cry. Come in and join Chester County. You please. have the resources in that community. So there's no excuse. You know, everyone at the King of Prussia uh, Lifetime Athletic, I dare you because you live in Chester County. Just show up and support this young lady. Dare you. All right. You have a tribe. We, we, you know, we'll we'll get this done. To our listeners, I, I just have to thank thank my my guests, Candace, Scott, and Natanya for coming in and sharing very personal stories, sharing the resources. You can't say now you don't know where to go or who to ask for help. You know, we're making ourselves available. We were extremely vulnerable. You know, this was real talk when we talk about mental health. You know, if you want to be sick, it is your choice to be sick. If you want to get better, it is your choice to get better. There's resources and there's support that will allow you to get better. We have covered so much information. And I think at some point, or I hope at some point, this episode has enlightened you or touched you in a certain kind of way that it changes the view from where you sit right now. If you like what you've heard, please go to RMK Productions and Network and subscribe and follow. Um, if you want to get involved, you can reach out to, to, to me either directly at www.rmkproductions.org or information or info at rmkproductions.org. Um, you know, the only thing I can say is how much I appreciate everyone. Um, you guys are doing great work. If you ever want to come back or refer a friend, you can bring Vision Core on. You can bring other people on and we'll talk. We'll keep this conversation going. We, you are now part of the RMK uh, family, so you're, you're always welcome back. Um, my grandfather always said, when you get to a place in your life or a point in your life, you can help someone else. It is your duty to do so. Reach one, teach one. And with that said, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We'll fade to black and we're out.